0: I was talking to my staff uh, the other day, we were looking at our calendars and stuff and thinking ahead a little bit to summer and whatever's going on, and I realized uh, August is going to be uh, a big month for my wife and I and our family, and so I thought, you know, uh, the reason, one of the things is uh, on, in August, early August, we celebrate our 35th wedding anniversary, and so we're going to do something then and uh, be gone. And so, and then a c- couple of weeks later, um, in the August, I celebrate my gosh, I can't hardly say this, my 60th birthday, and uh, I used to think that 60 was like death, you know, and it was like, uh, <laughs> so, I had some, some guys this morning welcoming me to the 60 Club, and I said, I'm not there yet, okay, uh, just give me a couple of months and I'll be there, but uh, realize that, and, uh, but over the, you know, 35 years that my wife and I have been married, hopefully I've learned a few things about how to do it well, and some things I haven't learned too well, my wife could tell you, um, but one thing early on I remember back when we first got married, uh, we were in, I was in graduate school, and we were at uh, Southeastern Seminary in Wake Forest, North Carolina, and our first place we lived when we got married was in a trailer. Uh, you know, we had a little job. You, you live wherever you, where you can, you know. And so it was uh, we remember this trailer, and we, one night after we have been married a few, a couple of months, I guess. I don't remember the exact timing of it, but it started to get a little colder. And all of a sudden, one night my wife, uh, you know, beats me and not not bad she just reached over and she hit me and she goes Belle, did you hear that and I'm going no I didn't hear that Uh, and so a little bit later she hits me did you hear that and I said what do you hear it's like I don't know just it's something and so I got up and wandered around the house and couldn't figure out what was going on and and then the next day um, she said there's something weird in the bottom of our cabinets there's these little black dot things that look like grains of sand and she said what are those things I said I don't know I never had seen mouse droppings before, and uh, and so I learned to go out. And so I went out and bought some mouse traps. and um, And the next two nights, basically, um, it seemed like when I put them out, I put them out and put them out. The next two nights, we got no sleep whatsoever because constantly, every you know, 30, 40 minutes, we go click, you know, clap. And there's those those wooden mouse traps with the little thing. It makes a lot of noise. You know, you can hear them in a trailer. you Can hear them everywhere. You know. And, 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 you know, like, and during World War I, World War II, pilots, when they flew and they shot down other pilots, they put, like, little, you know, things on their plane for being an ace if you got five enemy aircraft. I became an ace in killing mice over the next several days because we killed, I think, seven or eight mice over a few days. And so I learned to listen to what my wife—I never heard what she heard. I never heard what she heard, but uh, she heard something, and so she figured it out. A few years ago—actually, a couple of years probably three or four years ago— uh, we were in the house again, and, and where we live, we live now. Um, uh, once again, she kind of hit me. She goes, "Bell, Bell, do you hear that?" And I'm going like, "No, I didn't hear that." You know, it's kind of the same deal. And and so uh, she and so I, I, she says, "Okay, okay." And then a little while later, she she punches me again. She goes, "Do you hear that? Something loud?" And, and of course, by the time I she says that, I'm half awake and half asleep, and I don't hear anything, and so finally, after a while, I get up, and she keeps hearing things, and I never heard, heard anything, you know, I was kind of dozing off. I can sleep in about two minutes, and you know, and she's laying there awake, and so finally what happens, I get up, and, I, and she was so convinced there was somebody trying to break in our house, I went up, and I got out, and this was in the winter, and I got up my clothes on and went outside and looked around, because I thought maybe somebody was trying to break in our house, and went through this whole deal, never actually found it out, but I, as I came back in the house after about an hour of searching... Uh, our, our house is not that big. It doesn't take that long to search, maybe three minutes. But uh, the deal was, I found out it was the root, of the, you know, during the winter sometimes when things expand and contract and the boards pop and crack and stuff. i would never experienced that, you know, in my whole life. And uh, it didn't get that cold and when I was lived on the East Coast, and so it never happened. And so I found out it was true. Now, I say that because I took seriously, I took seriously and I was very proactive in regards to going out and checking on stuff to make sure everything was fine. Everything was fine with us. But the reality is, in life, so often, even um, when it comes to our hearts and what we've been talking about in this series, we're not very proactive in regard to going and guarding the things and checking on things and making sure things are working right in our hearts. Um, and what Jesus has said in this series that we've looked at it is, Jesus says, We live, we love, we, we parent from our heart. And Solomon says, above all else, he says, you need to guard our hearts. He says, yeah, we learn to, to behave well, we, or we learn to behave in life, but so often what happens is, is we, we really simply, we, we simply filter our behavior, but he says what we need to do is monitor our hearts, and that's what this whole series has been about for the last five weeks. So today, as we come to the last uh, lesson in this series, I want to talk about another of the enemies of the heart that we have we've talked about so far we've talked about jealousy we've talked about greed we've uh excuse me uh we've we've talked about guilt we've talked about all those things about how they can get uh lodged in our hearts and how they affect who we are and how we can deal with those issues but today i've held out for the last message because i want to talk about the one that i think probably causes more damage than anything else and that is the thing that gets lodged in our heart is called anger anger I believe it can be the most devastating of enemies of the heart, and sometimes we don't see the devastation right away. Um, the bottom line is in the series has been this, is that if you, do not, if you have these things in your heart, the thing is, if you carry it around with you, uh, it's going to cause damage. And anger is one of those things that if you carry around anger from season to season of your life, uh, there, there's not a quick and easy fix to it. And so what happens so often to us is we... Because it's not a quick and easy fix, and we like quick and easy fixes, we carry it from season to season. So this morning, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles this morning, or your iPads, or whatever you look at your Bible on, or if you just want to pull out the outline, the the Scripture's in there this morning, we're going to look at an encouraging piece of Scripture, some verses that give us hope. And it's interesting because it was written by a man, Paul, who knew what it was like to be mistreated. And, and he was written, it was not written from Cancun, by the way. It was written from the prison cell, a prison cell, and he, when he gives us these verses. And what he basically says, and we'll just give you a synopsis before we do it, then we'll talk about it. He's, he underscores that there is a way to get rid of anger. You don't have to carry it with you, is what he says. And, and as we shall discover, anger isn't a matter of circumstances. It's a matter of the heart. Whereas we get angry because of circumstances... We get angry because of what people say and do. The truth is anger is not something to be blamed on circumstances, because anger is a heart issue, which means, if it's a heart issue, we have the ability to control how anger affects our relationships. And so let's look at that this morning. In Ephesians chapter four, beginning with verse 26, uh, verse 26 and 27 are the first two verses we're going to look at. The first two words there is this. It says, "Be angry." Now, if you stop there, that, you're going like, yes, honey, you understand, this is, this is the read. the Bible says I can be angry. Well, that's not a justification for your anger, by the way, because, you know, that's, that's what the thing is. He says what he says, be angry, and yet do not sin. Now, what's this saying is this. Paul is acknowledging that there are going to be moments in your life when you get angry. He's not saying here, the command is not, do not ever be angry. That's not the command here. What he is saying is there's going to be moments of high levels of frustration, moments that you're angry, but the command here is once that that stuff surfaces, this anger comes out, and you feel all of this frustration, the question is not what do you feel? The question is what do you do with what you feel? Be angry and not hurt someone else. Be angry and don't Don't pay back somebody. Be angry and don't lash out. And then he gives us something else to go along with this. This kind of kind of expands it a little bit. He says, uh, Be angry and yet do not sin. And he says, Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. The principle is this: do not let today's anger carry on into tomorrow. Now, when Paul said this in that day, in that context, this was not something he made up. This was not a new saying. This was something that was one of those sayings that culture had that day. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. It was something that people said like, you know, no pain, no gain. I don't know. I don't, that was not a really good example. But, you know, whatever, you know, people, we use little phrases and slogans and stuff to live life by, right, sometimes. And this is something that was commonly said in the context. But Paul is saying here, he says this in the context. He says, the point is this, carry your anger as short as possible. Be angry in the moment, but don't carry it into the future. Now, when I first heard this, message, this uh, passage applied many, 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 many years ago, I heard it applied uh, in regard to, to marriages. And you've probably heard the same thing. You've probably heard it said, do not go to bed what? Angry. And so some of you who will say, well, you know, this is literally, they'll take this as a little tra- literal translation of this, and, and, and you'll, you'll go like, well, by golly, we're not going to bed angry. So by virtue of that, some of you stayed up to one and two, and three, and four o'clock in the morning because you were determined that you were going to resolve the issue before you went to bed because that's what the Bible verse says. Well, l- let me just kind of tweak that a little bit because the reality is there are anger issues that you cannot resolve before the sun goes down. There are anger issues that in the course of a 24-hour period you're not going to, re- going to resolve. But the force of the teaching here is this. Get rid of your anger as soon as As possible. And if possible, don't let the sun go down on it. But if not possible, as soon as possible. And certainly don't carry your anger from one relationship to another. And then what Paul does, he gives us the reason why that's so important in the next part of the verse. He says this after he says, Do not let the sun go down on your anger. He says, And do not give the devil an opportunity. Now, this morning I have to stop here a second and say this. I don't know what you believe about the devil. Recent surveys show uh, in America that, uh, that while about 85% of the people in America say that they believe in God, which is down from what it used to be, okay, a lot less percentage say they believe in the devil. So I don't know where you are. Um, I don't know where you, where, where you are in regard to this. Um, I believe in the devil because Jesus believed in the devil, and I turn, tend to go with Jesus. Okay? That's, that's my take on the deal. Uh, But regardless of what you believe about the devil, you can still understand this principle that he's talking about here, because the principle is this. When you carry anger, you open a door, it's according to scripture here, you open a door to the devil, and to give the devil an opportunity, it's like opening the door to your heart and saying, devil, come on in, take up residence, make yourself at home, and as long as you carry the anger, the door is wide open for the devil to influence you and to impact your heart any way the devil sees fit. Now, if you don't necessarily believe in the devil, you can still understand the principle because it's saying this, irregardless of what you believe about the devil, you know that people that carry anger around with them, when they carry anger around with them, whether it is you or somebody else, if it's you, you probably don't recognize it, but if it's you or somebody else, people who tend to to carry around anger, what do they do? The anger in their life tends to wreak havoc wherever they go. The anger... it, it. it it poisons every relationship that they have because undealt with anger is detrimental to all relationships and we see that all the time so the scriptural explanation though is that the person that carries anger opens the door to the devil another way to understand this is what we talked about in the second week of the series a few weeks ago when we talked about that all these things guilt jealousy greed all these things and anger um if we looked at it one way, these, all these things can be understood within the context of what we call a debt-debtor relationship, a debt-debtor relationship. Um, I said that one of the things under, that we understood about jealousy is this, jealousy says, God owes me. I'm jealous because I feel like God's giving me a, 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 the wrong end of the deal, so God owes me. When we talked about guilt, we said that I owe you. You know, we have this guilt in our life, and so we go through life feeling I owe you something. And then greed says, I owe me. I mean, I deserve it. I owe me. But then anger says this. Anger says, you owe me. You owe me. And so it's this debt-debtor relationship. See, the angry person lives life with this filtering system that says, you owe me. And the reason that is true is because whenever you were hurt or offended or mistreated, there is this sense in which the person that hurt you or offended you took something from you. It's like at work and somebody, you, you worked on a project or something and somebody stole your idea and they claimed it as their own and, you, and you're angry with them because they did that. Or they took, took, they, took uh, uh, they said that they were responsible for it and, and you're angry with them because you feel like they stole something from you, your idea, and that you, they owe you because of that. Or, or a family, kids that mom or dad leaves the family and what happens is the child will feel in a real sense and they may not verbalize this early on but as they get older they feel this sometimes is that that person who left stole part of my childhood part of my the things that are going on there uh in in a marriage if one of the spouses leave and and they go through a broken relationship uh one of the persons will feel like uh, that the other person stole their security so there's this debt debtor relationship in regard to this this whole thing with anger and every time something is taken from you your anger says you owe me you owe me consequently anger is not just like an open door anger is like an open account you have this ledger and according to my records you owe me and i am not going to close the account until i get paid back that's what anger says Until you make it up to me. And as long as that account is open, you're carrying that anger. And the worst thing you could do to yourself is to allow, the Bible says, and and we understand this, is to allow the sun to go down on a season of my life and to carry that anger to another season of life. Carry that anger uh, of what happened in one season and carry it to another season of life. And so often that happens in our lives. We see that all the time. Uh, Some anger that was created in childhood is carried on into adolescence. And some anger that's created in adolescence is carried on into young young single adulthood. And sometimes even to a marriage. And sometimes hurt from a, from a first marriage is carried on until a second marriage. I've always been amazed, and you would think that we would learn from life, right? That if you went through problems, you would learn and do it better the next time. That being the case, second marriages should be much better than first marriages in regard to the outcome. It's not true. The statistics all over the board say this: first marriages, the divorce rate in first marriages is somewhere between 40 to 50% based on what studies you look at. But second marriages, it's, it's between the divorce rate in second marriages is between 60 and 70%. Third marriages is even worse. And I think one of the reasons, I began to look at this and ask the question, why is that true? And I think one of the reasons is because the anger that's there and the, and the frustration that's there in the first marriage never gets resolved. And so we carry it into the next marriage, and we never really, and we just kind of dump it on the other person. See, whatever you let the sun, allow the sun to set on a season of your life, and you carry the anger with you to the next season, you run the risk of relationship and self destruction in your life. And, and here's why. Because, and this, is, this is really interesting. I began to think about this the other day. Because the, when the sun sets on a season of your life, and you move from one season to the next, And you have not resolved your anger in that last season. Once you move to the next season, it is very easy to lose sight of the source of your original hurt. And because of that, what happens? It means that all of a sudden, you're a new season of life, and people around you just make you mad for some reason. I talk to people and say, "Well, at work, I do fine. I get home, man, I just anything just ticks me right off. I don't understand." and and you're in a new season of life and you blame everybody else and everybody around you is walking on eggshells because the least little thing upsets you and it has nothing to do with them because you carry this anger from an earlier season of life and it is negatively affecting your current relationships you were angry before you got married or angry you know whenever and and you just brought it with you into marriage it's so easy to lose sight of the original source of the hurt. And that is why Paul says so forcefully here, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do not hold anger any longer than possible because it will damage all future relationships. It's not just a 24-hour period, it's a season because if you carry this stuff into the next season, it'll negatively affect the next season. And for some reason, you will blame other people, the people in this next season for how you feel, and they may not be the original source of the hurt. And guess what's going to happen? They cannot do anything to give you permission to close the account because that account is not really with them. I mean, I see this all the time in marriages as I counsel people and talk to people all the time. And, and let me just stop here and say this: if you're engaged right now to someone, and <laughs> this this is not the kind of advice you'd like to have, but I'm just gonna give it to you anyway um and that person is angry and you see that already and let me tell you if you already see it in an engagement period (laughs) it's not going to get any better when you get married because guess what you are when you're engaged what are you you're 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 on your best behavior you are because you're trying to make a good impression And if you already see anger coming out in that relationship, I don't care how cute he or she is. I don't care, you know, how much money they have. I don't care who their mama or daddy is. This is what I tell you to do. Run. (laughs) Run. Because, well, let me just say this. And then they'll come back when I tell people that. I've told people that before. I've told people that before in counseling. And I've gone, and they go like, but I love them so much. You know what my advice is? Get over it. Boy, Bill, you're just really rough. No, get over it. You'll either get over it now and make a decision to not, not, until they deal with the anger in in the past, you'd either get over it now, or if you go into the relationship, uh, you know, they will crush the love right out of you. Because you'll be blamed for all kinds of things that you can't even understand, and you will say, all I said was, and... You don't understand where it came from. And no matter how hard you work and try and how many times you apologize, you will never get the sense that you've ever closed the account because the account is not even with you. But they don't understand that because they've gone through a whole season and carried the, the, the baggage with them. And you'll just be bumping into wounds that they brought into the marriage and often unbeknownst to them, they're carrying anger from season to season and they've lost sight of the original source because it's so easy to do that. Now, I say that, and let me say this. So, so, that being the case, and it's what I already said in Scripture. So, if you were God, and you loved you, what would you say to you? It is not surprising in the next few verses what Paul says. The next few verses that deal with this issue, uh, it's because our Heavenly Father knows this. He wants, he loves you, and he, he so much wants to you to close the account and to put to rest the anger that will devastate your relationships if you don't deal with it. This is what he says. Paul writes from prison, once again, from prison in verses 31 and 32. He says this, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Now it's interesting. He says, he said just basically get rid of it. But it's interesting because in the Greek language, if you want to emphasize something. You put it at the beginning of the sentence. And guess which word is at the beginning of the sentence? The word is all. Get rid of all stuff. Get rid of all this, this baggage, this garbage that's in your life. Because if, it, if you don't, you've got to do it because it's going to affect you. He's saying, you know how you take out, out the trash to the street? You know, for me, it's Tuesday. Okay, Tuesday into my subdivision. I take the trash out to the street. And, and, and every Tuesday, I take it out to the street. He said, in the same way you take the trash out to the street, and you know, once it's dumped and it's gone, I forget about it. That's what you need to do with your anger. That's what he's saying. That's what you need to do with your anger. You need to clean it out, you need to get rid of it. And you go, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold, hold hold Paul, hold it, Pastor Bill. Um, it's not that simple. So, what and how you know, we you, you tell you how you know it's, you say it's not that simple. He said, let me tell you my story. And you know what Paul would say? Paul would say, he would say, well, go ahead and tell me your story, but when you're done with it, I'm going to tell you the same thing. Go ahead and get rid of it. You need to get rid of it. You can do this because we get it all tangled up. We get tangled up all the time in this thing of blame. It's kind of like this. If you went to the doctor, and maybe you've done this before, and you got a report from the doctor about a, a, bad, a bad health report from the doctor that you've got some kind of disease, cancer or something like that, or a tumor or something like that, is your first inclination to your initial concern, is your initial concern is, is, this, is, this, is how did I get it? Is that the first thing you ask the doctor if they tell you the bad, bad report? No. That's not the first thing you ask. What do you ask? How do I get rid of it? Right? I mean, your concern initially is not how I got it. Your concern is how do I get rid of the problem that I have, right? But when it comes to issues of the heart, we spend so much time defending it because of how we got it instead of ramping up and saying, I don't want to live with this problem another day. I don't want to carry this another season. Instead of saying, if there is any way to get rid of this issue, my jealousy, my guilt... My greed and my anger, it's, I don't want to carry it anymore. I don't care who's to blame. I don't care how I got I just want to get rid of it because it's causing damage to me. That's how we should look at anger or guilt or jealousy or, or greed or any of these things we've talked about. Our number one priority needs to be getting rid of it, right? If it's causing damage. But so often we just simply sit around and we don't want to get rid of it because our first inclination is to like, well, you don't understand, I have a sad story. And part of the issue with anger is if I would put you, put it down on the street and get rid of it, what, what am I saying, in a sense, we think? Well, I'm letting you off the hook. Uh, they hurt me and they owe me. I have this account book, this ledger. And that's not fair. Now, understand this. This is an this is important part For you've got to really focus. If you're kind of zoned out somewhere, focus back in for a moment, okay? This is the important part. According to scripture, getting rid of anger bypasses the issue of fairness and the issue of being paid back. It takes fairness and being paid back and it places it to the side and it says that is not the supreme value anymore. Getting rid of it is more valuable and more important than getting paid back or being treated fairly. My number one priority needs to be, let's get rid of the anger. And so what Paul says is this. He said, that being the case, he says this. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other. You knew we was going to get to that, didn't you? Forgiving each other. going, Oh, no, not one of them forgiveness servants. Yeah, that's what it says in Scripture, forgiving one another. See, the big issue, forgiving, and we think this because we have such a skewed understanding of forgiveness, is this. But it's not fair. They don't deserve to be forgiven. This is not about fair. Hear me. Hear what Paul says. It's not about payback. This is about getting rid of it. See, forgiveness is so misunderstood. Let me give you a definition of forgiveness according to Scripture. Forgiveness, to forgive, is simply to cancel a debt, it's a decision. It means to decide. According, it's, it's looking at the ledger book and say, according to the records you owe me, but I am making a decision to cancel the debt. You don't owe me anymore. Not because you paid the debt, not because you made it right, because I want to get past this and I don't want it to affect me anymore. And so I'm making a decision. I am deciding debt canceled. Yes you should have been at my graduation. Yes, you should have been there when I needed you. Yes, you should have kept your vow. But you didn't, and for years, the person who is angry will say, I have lived with this, and I've lived with this idea, when you are going to make it up to me? But the person who needs, and if somebody's hurt you, what you need to do to deal with the anger is this. You need to say, but I've made a decision, and that decision is this. You don't owe me anymore. Forgiveness closes the door to the accuser, uh, and and the accuser closes the door on the account. Forgiveness breaks the power of anger, and it's the only thing that does. It's a decision. And I've heard stories, let me tell you folks, I am not, not, I am not, not sympathetic. I don't know how to say that. I am, I am sympathetic towards stories I've heard. I've heard all kind of stories when people come to me sometimes, you know, sometimes people come to me and they'll tell me their story and I, and, and after they tell me their story and they want to go out and hurt somebody because of the hurt that was there from their past. And sometimes I want to go out and help them. That's the way I feel, right? I've heard the stories. Sometimes I'll just be honest with you. That's sometimes the way I feel because they have every right to go out and do that. But I've experienced that emotion and and that pain. But here is what I want to know. Keeping an open account does nothing for anybody. And just in case you think your situation is special and you have the best story of all time, the Apostle Paul says this. He's so smart. He says this. He says, forgiving each other. And he says, this is how we do it. Just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. He's saying your story might be this. You know, it's if your story and your story is, you know, it, that you had this hurt, and the reality is, folks, I've heard stories over the years, and I've had people come to me, and usually sometimes it's one person and the other person sometimes together, and I've heard the stories, and I've heard it from both perspectives, and, and I can never ju- I'm not trying to judge about whose percentage at fault, but there's always fault on both sides, just, just to be honest with you, okay? Maybe one in, in the best scenario, one person's 10% at fault and the other person's 90% at fault, okay? But there's always fault on both sides because we're sinners we're not perfect okay but when god sent his son to die for you as we'll talk about next week at easter guess what his son had no part in our sin zero he was blameless in the way it looks like this we he if he if he kept the ledger on us everything would be in our column all the problems, all the sin, everything's in our column and God's would be zero. And in that being the case, if we have to pay it back, guess what? We have no chance. because We have nothing to pay it back with. Not one thing. And the Bible tells us, you've heard this before, that the Bible says we were actually, this caused us to be, the term is dead in our sins, in our trespasses. The Bible says we've all sinned against God and we owe him everything and we cannot pay him back but god decided to do for us what we could not do for ourselves he said to us i will i'm making this decision i'm going to close the book on you and decide and stamp on the outside debt canceled forgiven not guilty you do not owe me and god even went one step further not only did he cancel the debt, but he paid for the debt by sending his son, Jesus Christ, which we'll talk about again next week, hopefully in a very uh, practical and understanding way that you'll understand this even more clearly if you don't, that God closed, he sent his son to pay a price for us that we not pay for ourselves. He not only canceled the debt, but he paid for the penalty for the debt, which we, can, uh, which we have a problem sometimes understanding. You know, listen, let me, let me just tell you this, and I think you know this sometimes, but I, I just let me say it again. There's some things in life that have happened to you that if somebody came to you and said, "I want to pay you back," there is no way they could do it, right? How do you pay back? How do you pay back for the past? How do you? How do you, you? You can be mad at someone all your life, but what do you do for if you if a dad who wasn't there or a mom who wasn't there for the kids? In certain periods of their life, I mean, how do you pay that back? How do you pay back uh, a first marriage? How do you pay back your reputation? Uh, you, you go through the list. How do you pay that back? Literally, you can't. And so that being the case, God, our heavenly Father says this. He says, "I have an idea." He says, "Why don't we just close the book? Why don't we not just? Why don't we just let it go?" Say you don't owe me. Why do we, can we not just forgive? Because he understands this one thing, forgiveness breaks the power of anger. Forgiveness is the thing that breaks the power of anger. So how do you apply this to life in in a real tangible way? Let me give you three points as we close this morning about how to deal with this. How do you do this? Because I think there is, but the Bible wouldn't tell us to do something if we couldn't do it. And Paul very clearly says, hey, no more of this, get rid of it, throw it out in the trash. Number one, the first thing you need to do to apply this, this, this thing, this, the power of forgiveness, is number one, identify with who, who you're angry with. Identify who you're angry with. And your tendency is to look around you right in your immediate vicinity and go, I'm angry with them and them and them and them. And you might be sitting right next to them right there. Okay? And I would challenge you to go a step further. I would challenge you would you be willing to go back a couple of seasons of life and ask that same question? Who are you angry with? And I know angry with is, ends with a preposition, so, you know, if you, with whom are you angry, okay? To say it more properly. You get the point, right? Who are you angry with? Because when you move that anger from season to another, one season to another season, it's easy to lose sight of the source. And the only way we can do that is to go back and examine the past and ask ourselves, is the way I'm feeling, the, the way I lash out at things right now, the way I respond to things right now because of something that happened many, many years ago and has nothing to do with the people that I'm around right now? Because sometimes that happens more than you think. And it could be that you just have this open account with somebody from the past and, and the first thing to do is you need to identify who it is that you're really angry with. Number two Number two is this. This is the step that everybody skips. Determine what they owe you. Not only to identify who you're angry with, but determine what it is you think they're, they owe you. If somebody owed you a certain money, what would you do to pay them back? You'd have to know what? The specific amount, right? Because if not, how do you pay them back? You can't do that. But if you're angry with something in the past, with somebody in the past, you need to identify what it is that you're angry with them about. Determine what you feel like they owe you. And one practical thing to do is just just for a, a short period of time is keep a list. Just write down stuff. Just write down, you know, what is it you think that this person owes you? Begin to specifically identify what those things are. And then third. And then, third, decide to cancel the debt. Decide to cancel the debt. Now, it's not about how you feel, because your feelings are going to be there, okay? This is a process of healing. This is not a process of, this is not about fair, this is not about making things, it's, it's so you can heal so that anger will not be the thing that drives your life, because it will if you let it. That's a decision you can make too. I'm just going to be angry. That's a decision. But Paul says clearly in Scripture, he says, hey, cancel the debt. Get past it. Decide to cancel the debt. And I would encourage you, if you're really serious about this, maybe make it a ritual. Maybe do something. That, you know, I know um, people who literally have made a list and, of the things that they're angry about, the things that they feel like somebody owes them, and they decided to make a decision to, to do something about it, and they actually had a note burning. The I know the most creative thing I ever heard was this lady who said she, said, she said she had this anger from a first marriage and she was trying to get past it and get, work through some stuff. And, and, she, and what she did is she actually made a list and she went out in her backyard and she buried it in the ground and she put a cross on it. She says, every time I start having those old feelings well up inside of me again, I go outside and look and that's, it reminds me, that's the decision that I made. That's the decision that I made. Let me explain this to you. Sometimes, you need to go to another person, and and say, "I've forgiven you." Sometimes you don't, because sometimes you're going to cause more damage. Because they may, if it was years ago, they might not, not even know that you had a problem with them, and you're just raising up some other weird stuff that you have to deal with. The issue is, are you going to let your heart be healed? And the amazing thing that's going to happen, and this happens, I've had people come and tell me this many, many times when they've made the decision to do this. It's not just a one-time decision. It's a decision to keep doing this. And they'll say, you know, and they'll say, I've had people come to me and say, hey, pastor, you know, I made this decision to cancel the debt. I started doing this. And this person, every time I was around them, you know, it could be something they'd live with. And they said every time I was around them, I had this, I had this, this, this anxiety and or I had these things going on. And I discovered after a while, after I made this decision time and time again, what happened was after a while, I didn't have those feelings again. changed See, we need to stay in the habit of not letting the sun go down in our anger we need to keep short accounts so everything okay in your heart are you angry with somebody who you angry with what are you angry with them about we have to get to the point where we choose this i have I have been forgiven, and so I choose to forgive. I have been forgiven by God, so I choose to forgive. If you don't do that, you can never, ever love anybody, God or people, the way God wants you to. And you will never experience the love of God the way he wants you to experience it. Don't let the sun go down in your anger. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much. We thank you so much for your word. And for this series, as we've looked at these different areas of life, as we've examined all these different things that can be enemies of the heart, things like jealousy, guilt and greed, and now anger, God, my prayer is this. My prayer is that we would we'd be open, at least honest with ourselves, and realize that Maybe we've had some of these things in our hearts for a long time, and we need to deal with them. And so each week as we've looked in this series, we've looked at the biblical solutions of how to deal with this. It's great that we have this information, but God, it means nothing unless it transforms our life. And the only way it transforms our life is that we actually do what Scripture says. This, This morning, God, there may be people here that need to make a decision. And that decision is to cancel the debt of somebody they feel that owes them something. Not because that other person has paid them back, not because it's, it's fair, but because they want to get on with life. They want to live life in a way that they can live life with a pure heart, and they can love others and love God, love you, God, the way that you've called us to love. Guide us this morning, God, that we would just experience what it means to live life the way you'd want us to. Thank you, God, for your word and how practical but also how challenging it is to live by it. Help us to realize, God, that when you tell us things in your word and you direct us and give us a command like be angry but sin not, it is a possibility in our life. It may not be easy, but it's doable. Thank you, God, for the strength that you give us to live life this, this way each day, if we'll just trust in you and your plan for our lives. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.